0: Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey there mama, welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I'm recording this podcast around International Women's Day on March the 8th, 2023. But a lot of the topics that I want to unpack and actually chat to you about today are relevant throughout the whole year. In all honesty, I've actually grappled and really struggled a little bit with International Women's Day. There's the UN Australia theme around cracking the code, there's the UN International theme around digior, there's the PR firm of embrace equality, then everyone else is saying, you know, don't worry about the cupcakes and things like that. There's so many different campaigns around, which in one way actually makes me really celebrate and go, yes, you know, we're having these conversations. But then in another way, I'm also sad in that I really would love to see these conversations happen throughout the whole year. We need sustained change. And also, when you look at a lot of the panels and a lot of the conversation, you know, probably 95% of the commentary that I'm reading is actually all from women. But in order to actually get to a gender equal world, we also need our male counterparts to also come to the party. There's someone I know and he's also been a previous guest of the Working Mama podcast, Black Woodward, has actually gone to UN. Uh, convention around uh, digital, which was the basis um, for that theme. So I can't wait to see what his review is of that. But we also need to be talking about this change. Um, and late last year, Deloitte Access Economics published a report breaking the the norm. And really highlighted that gender norms as the core driving factor between the difference in outcomes between men and women today. And look, every a lot of people do, I wouldn't say everyone, but certainly there are a lot of people around, you know, shared equality that do believe it you know we see organisations that have d&i strategies and they're all publicly showing what they're doing sometimes it's probably for tender responses and other times it is for genuine change and i'd say those organisations that are making those genuine changes are actually then having financial success because of the broad diversity that they're bringing to their organizations, not just from a flexible work for working mothers and not just a focus on women, but across their whole organization, and particularly around, say, marginal groups and the like. But as you know, this podcast is just focused on working mothers, and so that's what I want to chat to you today is about less cupcakes and more action to improve gender equality and support working mums. And I will also premise this of actually saying that I don't think I'm going to cover off everything. This here is just me as a bit of a brain dump with some ideas and it's really a summary about what I've been reading relating to the topic. But I will premise, I'm sure I'm going to come up with lots of ideas after this has gone live. But I would also encourage you to actually sit back and reflect and think, well, what would you like to do? What action can you take? And that's why what I want to talk to you today about in my ideas and more about a summary of suggestions, as I said, is not about these big lofty goals, but some of these are also actionable that we can all do, you know, even today, we can have the conversation. And a lot of this is about that conversation and that communication. So that's what I want to chat to you today and actually then, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well and if you've got ideas, love to hear it. I really want to turn this probably into a blog post and and then see what we can do with it. So the first one is is about supporting um, the women's uh, motherhood journey from pregnancy to maternity leave to returning to work. I believe that the more women that feel supported and engaged throughout this journey, the more likely they are to be retained. And certainly there's statistics to back this up. And at times we also wonder why there aren't more female leaders in those middle to senior management positions. I believe, and one of my sort of principles is, that the more that we can support women to return to the workforce, the more we're going to retain them. During the years that women are typically going to be child-rearing, You know, there is the motherhood penalty and then the fatherhood bonus because these times it's when they're going up that career ladder. So we really need to support women, you know, so when they're returning to work, they can feel supported. They then can actually have those careers and they're not going backwards like often they do or they need to feel like they need to leave the workforce. So we need to encourage them to retain. So the more that we can focus in around that period of time, and it's probably going to be four to five years, but supporting them through it. And it doesn't mean working part-time is any less valuable. It's actually more valuable for working mums and I'll get to that shortly. But certainly supporting women during these really integral years about helping them, you know, really grow their careers. And it's not about growing in in a massive way but just supporting them all so then they've got that mindset that yes, they can do it and they feel they're an organisation that can. I think there's really, I think it's the for me personally, I think it's the really big gap that's missed. And so that's why I'm also so passionate about this topic of helping women return successfully back to work. Number two, it's about creating community. Yes, women support women. I know some of actually in my career, I've had some women that have certainly been my probably biggest um, Achilles heels, but I've also had some women that have certainly lift me up. And the more work that I'm doing with Working Mama, I love meeting and being around the people that help me believe that yes you can, you know, certainly have it all. And but having it all to me means a village around me and also certainly my husband sharing the load as well. I've recently had a conversation with a colleague who actually didn't want to attend an event because she was scared that she wouldn't know anyone. And I really love the work that the Female Quotient is doing around gender equality, and I believe in the power of community. And that's a really big reason why I created the Working Mama Village because women aren't given the tools, we aren't given the learning and we aren't offered the community to help you combine both motherhood and have a career and at that intersection and I wholeheartedly believe that you can. So, if you want to join the Working Mama Village, love to have you certainly use the code VILLAGE10, you can get 10% off your membership. I'll put the link into the show notes. Number three, it's about having a conversation regarding the mental load at home. And I've been having some conversations in the past week with people about gender equality and really that a lot of this also starts at home. So I've got two young boys and I'm really conscious that, you know, I'm raising them with the mindset that it doesn't, this isn't necessarily a man's job or this is a female's job. It's everyone's job to play a role in the household. I'm very fortunate that my husband does play a very active role uh, in our household. He probably does more drop-off and pick-ups at childcare than what I do, Uh, but it's really good to see, and he also wants to do that. We had a number of conversations before the kids were born, what it would look like for us, how we're going to make it work, even down to travel, which I've previously spoken about, and you need to have those conversations but I've also heard of scenarios where no my husband earns a lot more than me I'm not going to focus on it as much or you know what I just I'm not really focused on the career which is completely okay um, but certainly at home you know it's taken two to tango and I think as well that in the home, if you've also got that equality and you've um, got fathers particularly that are responsible and have care responsibilities, then this is going to have a ripple effect into the organization. So for example, if they need to leave work a little bit earlier, I put in inverted commas, to go pick up children, they're like, okay, then if they're seeing maybe people in their team or seeing a members around them also leaving it's actually then going to normalize in the caring arrangements you know it's usually the women that are leaving to go pick up the kids from childcare. but why can't we normalize that it's also both men and women doing it so about removing some of those caring stereotypes um you know so it's not just women only you know men can also do housework they're perfectly capable of doing it themselves uh you know the same thing as well around family lunches Often when we're having a family lunch in my you know both sides of my family, um, my, even my mother-in-law and my mom will t- chat to me and saying, "Oh, this is what we need to bring." They never actually say it to my husband, same with Christmas presents. Uh, my mother-in-law will say, "Oh, we need to get X, Y, or Z, and is that okay?" And I will then direct it as well back to my husband as well and then saying, what do you think and involve him in the conversation it's still not there yet and it still frustrates me that always it's put on to me and that load of organizing everyone and what are we doing what are we bringing it's all on me so then also then putting it back onto your partner and then what you can do I've got a whole range of episodes around sharing the mental load so I won't go into that in too much detail Um, but definitely life admin um, with is, is fantastic so I'll link that into the show notes uh, but certainly as well by trying to you know share the load um, think about this with hashtag share the load I'd love to hear your thoughts about doing a campaign around this to actually then equalize the invisible and the emotional labor and also the mental load at home so we can actually then create this so if we're sharing the load at home then can we share the load um, in the workplace Number four is about providing flexible work options. And this isn't just for mothers, it's also for fathers and also. Uh, you know, partners and things like that as well. And flexible work isn't just about working from home. This includes work hours, days of work, place of work. There's a whole range of different options for flexible work. And you can certainly negotiate those with your employer. And we all don't need to work nine to five, five days a week. It's a really archaic old system really set up for the industrial revolution when we all had to be in a manufacturing plant using our hands even our education system as i was chatting with a friend the other day has really not evolved you know rote learning and things like that but instead these days we want our kids to be inquiry and to ask why and to challenge some of these thinkings we certainly also need to challenge what some of our hours are and our flexible work options I would love to see a job ad that actually was saying, this is what we want for outcomes and we will pay, pay you for it. It doesn't matter what you need to, how many hours you work, this is what your base pay is. It would be amazing because often what usually a working mum would probably get done in three or four days so they can have flexible work options to be around for their kids, again, the caring um, arrangements of the mental load, they're probably getting a full-time work done in those three to four days. I know that I was. I was very, very efficient working three days and I know I'm four, I've probably got a little bit more fat. But it's just one of those things that it doesn't mean working less by working part-time. You are probably going to get paid to um, only work three days, but you're probably going to do five days at times. Um, And it doesn't mean that you're doing any less. As I said, you're probably more efficient uh, than someone that's working five days a week. And I know certainly as well, it's my choice that my husband and I have made, particularly more me, that I want my mummy and the boys' days, which for me at the moment now is Mondays. I used to work three days a week last year uh, and for various reasons, I've moved that up to four this year. And look, I had yesterday, you know, as a mummy and the boys' day, my kids were on the go the whole day. We're at the park, we had a friend over, we had, you know, as a play date, we were out and about the playground and the boys were riding I was exhausted by six o'clock. Even like the dog and I were like, oh my goodness. I actually came back to work today for actually a bit of a break. And, you know, when we talk about flexible work and work-life balance, sorry for me, work-life balance is just almost like a swear word. But I actually think that we need to, you know, there's not two separate buckets of work and life. For me now, it's very much about work-life integration And also, we're needing to create our boundaries between the two. Yes, sometimes they blur, sometimes they don't. But also, when you define when they um, need to be separate, that's completely up to you. And yes, again, I've got some episodes around this. But really, looking at those flexible work options for both parents. And also, don't just because, say, we've done it for the last couple of years, that has to be the way. Think about where you want to be. Blue sky thinking. What does it look like? And then think about how that could be made reality um, in your role, in your organization. And look, I know flexible work isn't for every role, but within reason, think about how it could be done for you, for both you and your partner. I know both my sister and her husband work four days a week each, um, so they can also be around for their kids. And I absolutely love it. I wish I've spoken to my husband about it and I wish we could do it, but I don't think it's possible. Number five, it's about having gender neutral leave policies and also pay super on parental leave. So this is more of an organisational type topic and around policies. But if you want best practice and if we're trying to encourage more gender equality, more fathers need to be taking parental leave and not just the two weeks leave when the baby's born they need to be taking a sustained long-term or medium to long-term period of leave you know if women are taking anywhere up to 12 months leave why can't the fathers and also be encouraged to many organizations i know that are generally say somewhere between on average maybe 12 to 18 weeks of leave somewhere in there why can't it all be encouraged for all males to also be doing this and all fathers so, you know, they will allow that time to bond. They understand the challenges of what it's like to, you know, be around for a kid, be nap trapped and, you know, thinking that, you, oh, yeah, cool, I'm going to do 100 things. But when really in reality, nah, it's busy looking after a newborn and getting them to experience it and also have them that bonding time with them as well. And a big part of that is about then ensuring that they're getting paid their salary because obviously... Sometimes males are more the breadwinner, but then also then paying super on this leave. You know, for both men and women, we're trying to encourage, you know, um, equality, then here we go. And also when it comes to homelessness, women over the age of 50 are the fastest rate um, of people that are homelessness, which is not good. And it's partly because of the super not being paid on parental leave and the support that's given of when they're in those childbearing years, So it'd be great to then actually see and encourage more fathers to take this leave. And also we talk about fathers taking the leave. If they're taking it, it may be done quietly. But let's shout from the rafters about these people doing it because we need to share the stories to make it look normal and encourage it. There's also websites like herwork.com.au that are showcasing employers and actually getting people to provide ratings and reviews on how good or sometimes maybe not so good their employers are around creating family-friendly workplaces. Number six, it's about having affordable childcare policies. Organisations like The Parenthood and Georgie Dent, I think, are doing absolutely amazing work to advocate for parental leave and affordable childcare if you haven't checked him out, highly recommend it. Even Anthony Albanese referenced Georgie Dent and the Parenthood in Parliament at the end of last year on the work that she's doing in this space. Because we also know the high cost of childcare is a massive burden. And, you know, even as interest rates are climbing, and there was another one today. And I believe childcare is a family cost and we need to look at it in a similar way as the mortgage, the bills and also the living expenses, which is jointly. Not, oh, this is the mother's wage or this is this expense. No, let's look at it as the mother and the father's wage combined. Look at it the total sum, not individually. Yes, it might be a portion of your wage goes into childcare. But do you do the same thing with your grocery bill, with your rates, with your health insurance? Probably not. I know some people do have split expenses, but hopefully not down to that. And if you do, that's okay. But maybe it's just worth a conversation. Even if you're a case of the um, childcare is coming out of your wage, maybe charge then 50% back to your partner. The statistics don't lie that affordable childcare will have a positive impact on female workforce participation and it will then also then take another step in terms of gender equality because it will also encourage more women to go back because they feel like it's not a cost burden. I could go on about the opportunities with childcare and, and what I think personally has brought my children but I know that's another podcast for another day. But definitely having affordable childcare policies and gender-neutral parental leave is so, so, so important. And also I talked a little bit before about the mental load and that was from a home perspective. But then it's also about looking at the mental load and the invisible labour that actually happens in the workplace. Think about back to now Your the most recent lunch that your organisation or catering may have um, organized like lunch or catering that your organization's provided got a question for you who's organized it and then who set it up and then who cleared away all the plates i am guessing that a female can be attributed to most of those activities if not all of them so It's not just about the mental load and cleaning up and doing some of those domestic duties in the home. It's also about in the workplace. So from there, think about when you're ordering. You know, it's, yes, it might be, you know, people might perceive it as an admin task, but also within your team, try and, you know, share that kind of task around. And if it's not the ordering that it is, make sure then from a cleaning up perspective that it's not always left to the female, if you're a male listening to this, certainly encourage, like, pick up the plates, clean them, help out because way that you are going to be acting at home will no doubt some of those behaviours will be replicated in, in the workplace. So if you're helping out at home, not I shouldn't say helping out at home but you're sharing your load at home, I am sure then you'll be more likely to share that load in your workplace. So I strongly encourage you to then think about how we can then share the load both at home and also in the workplace. Number eight is about communicate and listen. And when creating policies and and frameworks to improve gender equality within your company, don't just think you have all the ideas. And if you're in a management position, don't just think they're all yours and you're like, all right, cool, I know what needs to be done. X, Y, Z, bang, 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 here we go. As I discussed on last week's uh, episode with Hereta, you know, companies – you know, and management don't have all the answers. But the more that you can involve your employees and your colleagues into the decision making, into the ideation phase, even do like a scrum workshop or even an ideation type workshop. These are amazing with a whole lot of post-it notes and blue sky thinking. Usually the best ideas will come from within your employees. They've probably been thinking about it. They may have read about it. They've got a wish list of, yep, how, how we could do this, this and this. Could be like a nine-day fortnight, could be four-day working weeks, paying full time, trial, do some trials. You never know. So with this, I suggest that you ask for inputs and ideas to collaborate on the topic of how you can improve gender equality, your DNI strategy, and also how you can then support working mums. Yes, I do want to get that in. And how you can support. The various um, groups within your organisation, particularly working mums, and so you you may uh, actually get more ideas than you ever expected, and it could actually then also be quite transformative for your organisational culture, because your employees will feel engaged; they will feel like they're being listened to, just like when we're you know we've got kids that they want to be seen, they want to be heard when. You know, you you can get so much out of it, particularly that psychological contract with your employees will be huge by just asking them, What do you think? What are your ideas? It would, trust me, be a half day well spent. And if you're ever looking for some support in this area, I'm more than happy to come and run a workshop at your organization. Number nine, it's okay to ask for help. We don't have all the answers. But also, another idea is about be a mentor or even seek out a mentor. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And certainly, I know that there's many women out there that are probably willing to and able to mentor other women, but they just haven't been asked. But don't be afraid to ask the question either. It's challenging navigating this world on our own. You know what? When you think about it, with our kids, we ne- we help them, we hold their hands, we help them show the way, we help them cross the road, we help we try and teach them right from wrong. You know, it's when we're becoming you know adults we don't tend to ask for help, so therefore we close ourselves off to some of this. But the more we actually seek out answers, we you know get inquisitive, we start asking questions, the more we're probably actually going to open ourselves up and go, ah, oh, that's potential. And then if we ask someone to be a mentor, they're like, yeah, probably. Yes, not a problem. And so, you know, it's okay to ask for help and you never know what might happen. Like my two-year-old, for example, if he wants to get picked up, he'll just put his arms up in the air and say, up, up, mummy. And then sometimes I say, what do you say? And he goes, up, mummy, please. And then of course, then I pick him up. But he's asking for help. He's not afraid to ask for it. So with this as well, you know if you're you know even looking for ways to help grow your village or even on the home front as what i mentioned or even the workplace in all different parts of your life think about what you need you may need help on where can you improve where are you you know finding a little bit challenging see how you can get some help and as i say like i love outsourcing and things like that it's if you've listened to a few of the podcasts that's what i love talking about but also you know, asking for help even from your partner and, and getting all that. So definitely seeking guidance. And look, that's also a big part of the Working Mama Village is about having that group mentoring to help and support you through it. Number 10 is about in activities, speaking engagements, and conferences, review and reflect the diversity and representation of who is speaking. If you can bring in extra diversity, please do. I recently had a look at a um, upcoming conference program that I'm working with on a an organiser. So my organisation is going to be um, having an exhibition here. And I was sent the program in advance. I looked at it and I was like, oh, my goodness. It's probably 90% males that we're going to be presenting. Yes, it is a male-dominated industry, but there's also a role for a conference organiser to more actively seek out. There's a lot of these conferences, particularly in technical space, will say, yep, there's a call for submission of papers. I would be very surprised if they actually had a gender target on presenters because a lot of them will say, yep, we've had all these papers. Yep, that's the way we're going to go on face value. I was also speaking to a colleague the other day and she was given the tap on the shoulder of actually saying, look, would you like to submit? And it wasn't until she'd had that um, personal tap on the shoulder to say, oh, what do you think? had the thought of even presenting and putting forward a paper. It had not even touched, you know, even thought about it. So that way we need to, it's really been a wake-up call for me to then go, no, we need to actively seek out these opportunities a lot more. As women, we won't necessarily put ourselves forward. But, you know, if we've got people around us that will champion, you know, one another of saying, yep, I know who could be great for that. I know who could do this. We need to work together as a community collective you know, change the, change the landscape of conference um, presenters to actually have better diversity. And it's not just from a female perspective. It's also from minority groups, people from different backgrounds, races, ethnicity, you name it, to also then have then that D&I uh, inclusivity Um, from a conference perspective unfortunately it's been too late to change the lineup but I felt better in myself that I've been able to have the conversation I raised the topic and also now it's made me a lot more conscious um, from my role of actually then putting forward people um, more actively than what I had been in the past Number 11 is about looking at your recruitment and making sure you've got a long list that includes women. People sometimes may go, oh, look, he's our, he's our candidates and, and the way we go. Even in your short list, try and actually have a candidate. Even just get her in for a conversation. You will no doubt be surprised and I'm sure she will be 100% memorable because she's also going to, she'll probably suffering a little bit of tall, tall poppy or imposter syndrome, but just get her in. Make sure you've got a female on your short list because, you know, as I chatted with Dana Stewart in episode number 87, women probably think they don't, you know, they need 99% of the selection criteria, which in fact, you know, as Dana said, you don't. Leadership and management teams, number 12, if there are no females represented, let's call it out. Ask the question. Ask if there's any considerations and talent in the pipeline, and what your current your company is doing to mentor and support these women, so that when they're ready to hit the ground running in a senior management position, they're 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 ready. They're going. The gun's fired, and they're you know sprinting off. And you, I'm sure many people have seen that Coles recently announced a new female CEO. And if you looked at her resume, it wasn't this linear, single line to the top. She took twists and turns to have experience across the company. So then she's actually got a really well-rounded background. And I also loved on her LinkedIn that she had actually quite clearly highlighted about when she'd had parental leave. I loved it. I thought, this is fantastic. Someone's position has been so explicit and clear of when she's taken parental leave. And she still worked at you know the same organization. It's not like she's left. So I would think it was great. But certainly as well, call it out. Don't be afraid to say, oh, you know, during your next review or opportunities, uh, you know, ask where it is. And maybe even if it's an all-male team, I challenge you this to actually put your hand up. If that's something that you aspire to, have the conversation and say, how can I be maybe a partner or a director or a senior manager or, you know, step up? And if they say, look, you're not quite ready, Have the conversation to say, what is it that you're looking for and how can I get the coaching and support or even the mentoring to help make those steps? It may not happen tomorrow, but it may happen in maybe six, 12, two years time. But also you by talking about it and articulating, you're letting people around you know what you're interested. So think, think big, be bold and give it a go. And I think number 13 is just as important and if not the most important point that I wanted to share with you is that don't assume women will have all the answers. When we're hearing a lot of the conversations relating to International Women's Day, Embrace Equality, cracking the code, you name it, it's as I said at the start a lot of it's you know 95% of the articles I've read are all from females and so it's females saying what needs to happen but as I said Men have to come to the party to have true equality. And so we need to work together to actually create the foundations and to be able to then also move forward. We all know that women are great at problem solving, but this is a societal problem and we are trying to overcome literally hundreds of years of patriarchal systems to work towards gender equality. It's not one gender's problem. It's a generational it's cultural, it's ingrained even into our language, behaviours and the list that goes on. This is trying to move Everest, but I think that we all need to work together and look with each step of the way, I think we could climb Everest and hopefully achieve it. I know it is probably all like moving Everest and climbing Everest, but it is a big challenge if you sort of I'm not great on metaphors, but you know you get you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. And the goal is clear. And we all need to do our own little bit. So if you have an idea, raise it up. Get rid of the imposter syndrome. Get rid of that little monkey off your back. Confidence is a mindset. Work out where those blocks are and just give it a go. But by staying quiet, it's only going to be in your head. But by raising it up, put it out there on maybe even as like a LinkedIn post as an idea if you're a little bit um, you know unsure about how it might be reacted or get the reaction from people. But speak up. And that's what we all need to do. If we're seeing something that's happening that we don't agree with, it's like in uh, EHS, you know, the the safety you walk past, you know, the what you walk past is what you keep. And, and that, as you can see, I'm not very good at metaphors. Um, but certainly you need to, um, you know, look at what you're doing. And so if you don't agree with something, speak up, just like we do with our kids. If we don't like some of their behavior, we will let them know similar to this around um, gender equality and certainly supporting working mums. Don't be afraid to use your voice because I can guarantee you people will stand up and they will listen. And if they don't, as Annabelle Crabb said this week during the Future Women's Conference, anyway, don't work for dickheads. So on that, I really, you know, thank you for listening and If you've liked this, please leave a rating or review on the podcast. I would really, 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 really appreciate it. So for me, that'd be the one thing I'd love you to take action with today. But also, I'm here for you. The Working Mum of Village is here for you. I would love to have you join. Um, The doors are open until Friday the 10th of March. Um, Then I'll be closing it for a period of time, probably a couple of months. But you can also use the code VILLAGE10 to join. So... Yeah, it's really supportive group mentoring, masterclasses, resources. A lot of the things that I've talked about here, I then am doing um, inside the Working Mum Village to support you. Because I would love to see more women, you know, take on those senior management positions. Because as I said, I think you're not given the amount of support during those really important years. So to help you as a launch pad um, for as a working mum. So you need all the support and the tools and the resources to help you. And that's what I aim to do inside the Working Mum Village so best of best of luck, I hope you're doing well. and if you've got any ideas on how you would you know add to this conversation as what I've talked to you about today, I'd love to hear from you. reach out. I'm playing a little bit more on LinkedIn these days, but I'm also still at on Instagram at Working Mama Community. So speak soon and look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle, and I would really appreciate if you were to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.